welcome to another edition of the First and Orange Broncos podcast. I'm Kyle Fredrickson, sitting across from Ryan O'Halloran. We cover the Denver Broncos for the Denver Post, and we are wrapping up the NFL draft out here at Dove Valley. Three very long days. Ryan just looked at his phone and he said, it's only 6.30? That is the time we are recording. In the evening, mind you, uh, things are getting settled down, but a lot to talk about, Ryan. I mean, draft draft weekend's always crazy. Uh, It seemed like this one had its fair share of of pretty good storylines. Yeah, I mean, from the Broncos' perspective, I I wouldn't have guessed they ended the weekend with six picks, but John Elway uh, started trading on Thursday night. He didn't really stop. He trades all three days, and uh, I think that was uh, an example of what he thought of the lower part of his board. Uh, He traded two sevens to get up for Jawan Winfrey today. We'll get to him in a little bit, but start on Friday night. Uh, It was chaos. Yeah. Because we knew they were picking at 41, and they were going to pick at 52 and 71. That's right. Um, so they're on the board. There was a run on O-linemen. There's a run on corners. So you figure it was going to be one of those. Dalton Reisner was the pick from Kansas State. Obviously grew up uh, about an hour plus from here in, in Wiggins. It's a move that made sense. He'd been on the radar for a while. He made a pre-draft visit. It is a big ask, though, for him to move from right tackle to right guard. I mean, it's two feet but it's another world they're hoping his experience at center his football iq his experience playing 50 games will help that as we were just starting to get the reisner stuff processed they trade they're on the clock again they trade uh three picks for drew Locke. they felt they say he was the top quarterback on their board well, yeah you can make the board look any way you like i mean i didn't think kyler murray was on their <laughs> you know top of their board but um you know, I thought John Elway being adamant about how Locke is the backup, Joe Flacco still a starter. I think that's something he needed to say, although we probably would assume that. So then later in the night, they go defense. First of all, the first time that John Elway had not chosen a defensive player in rounds right. one or two, the first time he'd spent his first three picks overall on offense. Draymond Jones from Ohio State listed at 281. Yeah, look, 281. Yeah, that was one of the <laughs> observations I had. Is this guy going to be able to fill the, the middle of a line? Uh, on first and second down, no. He's going to be a 3-4 end when he's in there subbing for Gotsis and, and Derek Wolf. I think they're going to look at him with eight and a half sacks, see if he can give a little bit of an interior pass rush, which is what they didn't have last year. Shelby Harris can play that starter spot um, and, and hold it down against the run. So I thought night two, they ended up with one starter and Reisner a future quarterback they hope in Locke and a rotational defensive end potential 2020 starter in Jones. All right, let's flip the script to Saturday. They make trades again. First up was Oregon linebacker Justin Hollins. You were on the conference call with Justin. What it, uh, tell us about him. Well, I think one of the more interesting things that we learned about Justin Hollins was, one, the fact that, yes, he is a linebacker, and going into this draft, a lot of Broncos fans and a lot of media, us included, figured the Broncos would go inside linebacker, try to find someone uh, to kind of supplement the loss of Brandon Marshall and, and get in there with Todd Davis and Josie Jewell and, and add some real depth, but... Even with uh, Justin Hollins, yes, he's a linebacker, but here's a guy who really thrived on the edge as an edge rusher, outside rusher uh, with the Ducks. So how is this going to fit? How is this going to work with the Broncos? They have kind of a a wealth of talent at edge rusher with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, of course, getting rid of uh, Shaq Barrett and Shane Ray leaves a void there. But what's going to happen? So as far as Hollins is concerned, uh, you know, a lot of these guys will say the same thing, but he's willing to play whatever position the Broncos are going to ask of him, inside or outside. 
And I think Vic Fangio himself really kind of reiterated that when we spoke to him again, saying he's going to get a chance at both slots, being that he had a little bit of experience in both positions, um, inside more specifically during an, a recent All-Star game the Broncos scouted. Uh, maybe that had a little bit to do with their decision to take him and, and see where he might fit. Um, but being that he's a 6'5 guy with all that length, Ryan, hard to say how he's going to fit specifically. Yeah, and you know he played for Jim Levitt the last two years of Oregon, obviously as a Colorado tie. It shows you how old I am. I covered Jim Levitt when he was a defensive coordinator at Kansas State <laughs> back in the late 90s. Um, I'm always wary of guys saying we're going to put him in a new spot. I did like what Vic said afterwards, saying, hey, we're going to try him at both spots and see where he fits. If he looks uncomfortable and lost, that inside linebacker, then I'm going to move him to the outside. Okay, now you have five edge rushers, if you include Dakota Watson, who they acquired in a trade from San Francisco on Saturday. Not a great weekend for Jeff Holland because yeah. <laughs> now he's got, instead of being the number three guy, he could be the number five guy, which means he's off the team. So overall, an inside linebacker, I was a little surprised that they did not address it from an athletic coverage standpoint. But two things, Vic Fangio is a linebacker coach. I mean, his standard may be so incredibly high. If he sees one thing wrong, Devin Bush, he's not going to take him. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, Vic was a nickel guy in Chicago. Uh, we talked to him about this in Phoenix at the league meeting. Today, I think showed he's going to be a dime guy. He's going to use Todd Davis, an inside linebacker. He's going to use six defensive backs, three of which may be a safety. One of those safeties may be a, you know, a Will Parks, Jamal Carter, Sua Cravens combo. Uh, they got to find another starting safety. So what the draft does, it reveals what they think of their depth chart, what they think of their scheme. They obviously are bigger fans of Ty Davis and Josie Jewell than maybe the fan base is at inside linebacker. So they did went defense there. And let's throw Watson in. They went defense there with the trade. Right. They traded their two sevens to get up for a sixth to get the Colorado receiver who – Hadn't put up great numbers, had been injured, but they saw something. And what do you think they saw? Yeah, well, they saw what Juwan Winfrey looked like when he was healthy, which is a complete burner, vertical threat down the field, a possession receiver who'd made some big sideline catches. So has all the tools. I mean, four-star recruit out of high school, flamed out of Maryland early in his career, failed some drug tests, had some legal issues. Went the junior college route, came back, and, and kind of got into Mike McIntyre's good graces. And this is a guy who looked like a premier receiver when, like I said, when he was healthy. But he tore an ACL, his first training camp in Boulder. Uh, and then this last season, his senior year, dealt with a hamstring and an ankle. So you really never felt like you saw the best version of Juwan Winfrey. But the fact that the Broncos, uh, you know, what I would call the most surprising move of the weekend for them, really, considering how little we knew about him, uh, you know, the fact that they saw him at that local pro day and identified him as, as kind of a guy uh, that not a lot of teams would be high on. I mean, that's what you look for late in these rounds, right? I mean, that's that's the perfect player the Broncos are looking for. And the fact that there were some rumblings that other teams were interested, you know, John Elway said, hey, we're not going to take risks. This is our guy that we sort of found. Um, and, and let us see how it works. At least that's sort of the vibe I got from from their comments. Yeah. And you know, they sort of, you know, they probably figured, okay, two sevens. If we take these two guys, they're a long shot big team. Let's, let's flip those two picks to give a, a guy that, you know, make sure you liked, you targeted, and, and give a real good shot. I don't expect to see Emmanuel Sanders during the order pride train camp. I think he may be a pup candidate in this first six weeks. Maybe things will change there. Winfrey has a chance. Um, the fact that, you know, he worked out this facility, obviously, Zach Azani. You know, liked what he saw and made a recommendation. So, it uh, that that wrapped up the draft. Um, 
real quickly touch on undrafted free agency. Brett Rippon, a nephew of Mark Rippon, the Super Bowl winning quarterback, has agreed the terms Boise State. Joey Deneen from Kansas. Uh, KU announced that I love undrafted free agency. KU announced that he's going to the Broncos. So <laughs> these guys will be signed at some point. Uh, rookie camp's not for another 10 days. But um, throwback to you overall, John always said overjoyed. Get these six guys. That's, of course, what he's supposed to say. Uh, what say you? I say that if Rich Gangarello said those words, I'd believe it because I think that he's probably the winner in this draft, right? The Broncos, of their six pick, they go four on offense. I wouldn't have predicted that coming in. I thought they'd go heavy inside linebacker, heavy corner. Don't even take a player from the secondary. So I think the fact that the Broncos addressed a lot of needs and free agency on defense, went more offense in the draft is a little bit telling about their strategy of, of how they'd like to build these different position groups. Um, but yeah, just the, the fact they went so heavy on that side, given Joe Flacco um, a lot of weapons, although uh, a guy who's also pursuing his job in Drew Locke, uh, going to make for a ton of interesting storylines as the season gets closer. Yeah, I wrote the Scangarello angle a little bit in Saturday's paper. I mean, his new OC got some guys to play with. Sunday's paper analysis, I said from a 10,000 foot view of this draft class, so it probably should be a little tepid. Um, there's going to be more projected 2021 starters than 2019. Fant should start at tight end. Reisner should start at right guard. But after that, you have, if Locke's playing, the team's in trouble probably. Jones will be a rotational guy. If Hollins and uh, Winfrey make the team, that's the victory for them, beyond on the 53. So, you know, they feel like they covered a lot of their bases with free agency, with the draft, with the trade for Flacco. But also, I think part of it was, you know, Vic has so much confidence in his scheme on defense. He probably likes a lot of the pieces he has. He probably did endorse the fact, hey, this offense has stunk for three years. It's been bad. It's been uninteresting. Something needed to be done. So I think he saw that the best way to play great defense is to get a lead in some games, Please, you know, play cover, rush and cover, and put and, and dictate the game that way. So, I mean, I think you may see a little bit of a turn next year, but this year I think it made sense to go on offense because they needed to evolve, they needed to stay young, and they needed to get some better depth. So, be sure to read Ryan's analysis in the Sunday Denver Post. Uh, Going to be unlike anything else you read about the coverage of this draft. Ryan's been doing this for a long time now. Uh, give you guys all the insight of what all six picks mean for the future of this team. But before we go, Ryan, because we'll give the people what they want, slap a grade on this thing. If, if you had to go A through F, how would you sort of rank this? I don't know if you, you thought in terms of that in your analysis, but now that we're sitting down and you're thinking, put your teacher hat on real quick. Yeah, I mean, I hate giving anybody a C because it's such a cop-out. It's like picking <laughs> yeah. a team to go 8-8. Eight and eight. <laughs> right, yes, um, I like Fant. I mean, I probably would have liked Devin Bush better at 10, but Noah Fant at 20, they needed somebody who could challenge the middle of the field. I'll give them a B-. minus. Um, they they saw value at quarterback, and they traded up for it instead of saying, well, we pass on him twice, let's just move on from him. So they, they pounced that way. I think is going to be a good player. So... Um, and, and Draymond Jones, if you had to pick a sleeper for a third round, maybe this is maybe this is the guy that can provide some kind of pass rush. So it may change between now and Monday's paper when we have the grades, but B minus for now. Absolutely. So we appreciate you guys listening in to the First Orange podcast. On that note, I will sign off for both me and Ryan. Be sure to follow all of our coverage in the Denver Post, in the print edition, and online leading now into training camp. It's hard to believe that the off-season program is moving along as fast as it is, but the season will be here before we know it. Uh, so be sure to tune in next time. Thanks.